Morning, everybody. Thank you to Christo. He's got that achy feeling. That's like my achy, breaky heart, I think. So he's obviously got a country moment coming on, which is Dolly Parton. Think Dolly Parton. Think Twin Peaks. You've won a holiday. To... <laughs> it's a bit that uh, that strange programme we were talking about the other day, wasn't it? The uh, the dusty bin thing, three to one, which nobody ever understood at all, which was very funny. Anyway, it's nice to have you company. It's another strange... Joe, you know, yesterday the weather couldn't make up its mind. Day before yesterday, freezing... And we all went round going, you can definitely feel that chill coming in from the Urals. And then, uh, and then yesterday, a little bit chilly as well. Even Noreen noticed it was chilly. And then today, I don't know what it's going to be. We'll find out very, very shortly. But it's nice to have your company. I trust you are well this morning. Let me just uh, get myself into the, uh, into the mode, as it were. I've been through the papers. I've had a good look. I know Christo gives a, a cursory glance to them. I did go through them. And there's, gosh, there's some strange stories. Gosh, there's some strange stories. One of them, of course, being Freddie Starr who has been axed from the I'm a Celebrity over fears that he might die on the programme. Now, between you, me and the gatepost, I should imagine if you check with Jonathan Levi, somebody dying on a programme will be good for the ratings, because people will be going, what? What? And so, for, for the insurance purposes, they obviously managed to get some sort of insurance, but the, uh, the company, because of his history of heart attacks and because of his smoking... I think that would probably have them say, listen, he's, he's complained of feeling faint. You're in the heat out there. I mean, I don't function in heat either. I don't function in the cold either. But uh, the heat would be absolutely appalling for me. So he's not fit. They're already started. They've only been in there a few days. And already uh, some of them have put their game plan into action, including Mark Wright, who started off by doing the I'm in the shower bit. Now, because he suddenly realised that he's hopelessly out of his depth, he's got to come up with something to talk about. And because he's not in show business, and because 90% of the people in there don't watch his programme, he has to... So he's going, I think I'm, I'm still in love with Lauren. Every time I see her, I want to climb into bed with her. So Lorraine Chase says to him, well, uh, I think that's lust. I don't think that's love. I mean, he's, he's, he's a bit one-dimensional. He's, he's a little bit... And I think you're going to see the chinks in the armour. Uh, whereas Anthony Cotton's broken down in the diary room. <laughs> And saying, you know, he feels that he's got no life. I thought, well, a little bit similar to your uh, performances on Coronation Street. But it's, it's, the, it's the worry about Freddie Starr and also the worry about one of the girls in there who turns out to have been a Playboy model. And, uh, and you, I mean, you saw the word desperado written all over her. I mean, I'd never heard of her, to be honest with you. I don't think I'd ever seen The Real Hustle. I'm sure it was very good. Was that the one with Robert Vaughan in? Um, uh, Lucy Beale returns to EastEnders in January, but it's a new character playing Lucy. I don't know how you feel about these things. When you go to a soap opera and you turn on and then they go, and here's... And you go, but that's something completely different. Happened, of course, years and years ago in Dallas when Miss Ellie changed because Barbara Bel Geddes fell ill, so they brought in somebody else who was masquerading and passing herself... And nobody in the family noticed. J.R., Bobby, Swellen... And every, nobody noticed that, in fact, it was a completely different mother that they'd all of a sudden inherited who was standing in the kitchen. I quite liked that idea. I quite liked it. I quite liked the idea of, of Freddie Starr going. He's 68. He's a little bit of a risk. Uh, you don't want to jeopardise a programme because it's only bad news that makes programmes. That's why I had to laugh when Christo was talking about Frankie um, Kokosa can make a million pounds. No, that's a totally misleading headline, but it's the Daily Star, so they don't expect anything more. What they've done is... They've gone to Max Clifford and said, um, could he make money? And Max has gone, listen, if he's got strict management and they, they guide him in the, in the right direction, there's a good chance he could make that. 
He's going on the tour next year. They'll make 700 quid a day on the tour, but it doesn't last forever. And, of course, as he can't sing, it seems a bit pointless. I assumed he was either selling ice creams or punching tickets. I had no idea they're going to put the idiot up on the stage. Because that's what it's come down to now. It's come down to, you don't actually need any real talent. Behave badly, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden you go somewhere. Be a nice person and do what you're supposed to do. You go nowhere, which is all a little bit worrying. And guess who the new boss of, uh, of Countdown is? The person who's taking over from, from Jeff Stelling. I'd never even heard of him. Nick Hewer. Okay. From The Apprentice, yes. He's the right-hand man. He's 67. I mean, how many years has he got left? He's very good, but he's not a television presenter. You know, this, this programme had loads of people up for it, including Sue Barker. Oh, I could, could have lived without that, I'm afraid. Uh, Lisa Tarbuck. Not really. No, she's not of the right gravitas. Terry Wogan. Good Lord, are you sure? Uh, oh, the old Wogan. And here's the old... It would have been about Wogan. That, that would be the trouble. Alid Jones. I don't know. It's an interesting one. Uh, Rory Bremner or Giles Brandreth. You see, Giles Brandreth would be the best choice. Out of all of those people, my favourite would always have been Tom O'Connor. Because Tom O'Connor's got the right voice and would be absolutely right. Or failing that, James O'Brien. I think James O'Brien could be really good at that. That'd be his sort of thing. Because then he could use big words and and nobody would know what the heck he was on about. Because I I can't understand it at the moment. So it's going to be Nick Hewer who's going to take over. He signed the contract and uh, he starts filming, I think... Uh, next week to appear January the 9th. So he'll be all right. It's just that nobody will know who he is unless you've watched The Apprentice. And I've never watched The Apprentice. I've watched a couple of things. Witty and funny. Yeah, the trouble you see, people are witty and funny when they're with other people who feed off them. Will he be as witty and funny when they're going, sorry, could you just cut that bit? Okay, can we do that bit again? Okay, just cue to the contestant, okay? And just go... 30 seconds from now. Okay, that's all you have to say. Thank you. Try not to weave personality too much into it. Jeff Stalling was was actually very funny on the television. Used to, of course, work for LBC for many years in our sports department. I know Jeff very well indeed. And um, and then he goes on television. All of a sudden, when you're working in the confines, they're going, listen, can we move on a little bit? You know, we've got to, got to get things done fast. And, uh, and it, it then stifled him a little bit. Nice to see uh, uh, that uh, Charlie Gilmore's out of prison. Bit of a surprise to most people on that one. He served four months, useless little so-and-so. But uh, the good news is he had a haircut while he was in prison and, and he's been electronically tagged. I love the way he came out, you know, swaggering with a fag stuck behind his ear. When I say a fag, I mean a cigarette stuck behind his ear. And uh, climbed into his father's very expensive car with his mummy on the back seat. He went, oh, diddums, there you are. And, uh, and they, they whisked him away. It's great, isn't it? There's a woman that pictured in the paper today, it's... Make you heartily sick, I'm afraid. She looks really happy. Uh, her name is uh, Carla Biddle. Carla Biddle was, uh, was out at a friend's wedding. Big smile on her face. Very happy, looking lovely. She took part in a half marathon. She's a murderer. OK, she's been allowed out of prison early. Uh, she was given seven years for manslaughter after she attacked a woman called Emma Bradshaw. She stabbed her 56 times. She's out having the time of her life. The time of her life, ladies and gentlemen. Emma's family uh, absolutely gutted. They were informed by the prison authority uh, that, in fact, she's out. And uh, and that's it. So she's only served, uh, I think, three years in jail. for seven. What is the point of having sentences? You go to prison for seven months... As far as I'm concerned, for seven years, you go to prison for seven years, you stay in prison. So you'd never know, looking at her, you know, happy, smiling face, murdered this, this poor woman. 
Fifty-six times she stabbed her. It wasn't just, you know, an accident with a car or something like that. How would you feel? I often put myself in the position of the families, thinking, excuse me, our daughter is down there in that ground. She's not coming back again. And this woman's smiling. Shown no, no remorse. Shown absolutely nothing at all. Very, very depressing. Very depressing. And then the other story, which I thought was very odd, was that the doctors have now come out and they've said they'd like to ban smoking in cars. How the heck... Do you think the police have really got enough time to enforce that one? I saw a woman the other day. She was pulling out onto Chiswick High Street. I went down to try and find a set of lights. Can you find Christmas lights on Chiswick High Street? Can you, Buffalo? Nothing at all. Couldn't find them. So, in the end, I looked. Uh, it's rubbish. Yeah, but you can buy everything else. All the trees are up. Went to Robert Dice. They've normally got nothing. Absolutely diddly squat. So, came back, ordered it from Amazon and found a set of lights. I have, Yeah, I need a special set of lights this year. Okay. I haven't told her next door, but we're actually decorating her this year, so she'll be walking around with a 500-mile cable trailing behind her. She's what's commonly known as... A, she's going to be an art installation, which I quite like the idea of having a living art installation decked with lights. So I, I sort of trot down there. There's a woman pulls out of a side turning. She's got a cigarette on. She's on the phone, so she's driving with one hand. I wanted to be a policeman and go, excuse me, love, just pull in. Thank you very much indeed. OK, right, we're, we're doing you, first of all, for for... Uh, smoking in your car, for being on your telephone and for driving with one hand, where the law says you must quite clearly have two hands on the wheel. That's nine penalty points, and we're going to take your car and crush it. Okay, simple as that. End of. Because I think, I mean, um, but the police don't want to do it. It's too much paperwork. It's all they get is paperwork. If they could actually arrest somebody, take them back, and somebody else deals with the paperwork, I should imagine the police would be delighted. But at the moment, they have to sit down, and they've got to write it out. A friend of mine had had a grievance with somebody who was being harassed by a neighbour. And it, it got so bad, he had to put a camera up to record the neighbour. I mean, quite clearly one of those sad window dribblers. And I had to make a statement, because I'd seen her behaving badly as well. Well, it took forever. It's all written down laboriously. And then it's got to be transcribed. Oh, it just takes forever. That's why some people go, listen, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. So when you see pictures in the paper of a convicted murderer out after serving three years, with no remorse whatsoever... I should imagine you feel heartily sick. I did see people smoking in their cars the other day. I saw the dustbin men. Do we call them dustbin men or refuse collectors? Whatever they are, they were driving a big lorry in Twickenham and they were getting out and one's got a fag on. And I'm thinking, I don't think you're allowed to smoke in that vehicle. I don't think you're... There were three other people in it. And they, if, if I'd been there, I'd go, excuse me, can you put that cigarette out? Because actually, it's, I think, 23 times more dangerous to smoke in a vehicle than it is to go into a nightclub where they were smoking years ago, because you don't smoke in nightclubs. And so, because you're in a confined area. And I've seen it, you've all seen it, where you get the mother sitting in there, fag on, two kids in the back of the car and a baby in the front, and the mum's like that. There's a woman in the paper today, Welsh Wales, and she's been done for dropping a cigarette end. She's going to go to prison because she said, I'm not paying a fine. I'll do it. And then there's a picture of her. And you, she looks like the sort of woman to go, oh, I couldn't care. I'll go to prison. And you think, well, go to prison. Go to prison. You know, we've got laws in this country. Admitted they're a bit shambolic at the moment. So today, we're expecting them to go in to Tent City, or as they call it, drink and drugs hell outside St Paul's. People urinating all over, the, around St Paul's Cathedral. It's quite disgusting. The vergers have had, you know, just the worst time ever. And uh, I think we go in there with tanks. And we just take them all out. Let's not waste time shilly-shallying around with these people. It's, uh, it's far too silly. So we do that, and we do it quickly. And I bet you anything, that's what Nick Ferrari will be talking about after 7 o'clock this morning. I wonder what his take will be on that. Do you think it'll be, let's go in there and have a little chat with them? I don't think so. Quarter past five. <laughs>
These are the headlines. The number of 16 to 24-year-olds out of work could hit a new high later of more than a million. Youth unemployment's already at its highest since records began in 1992. There are fresh calls to make smoking in your car against the law. The British Medical Association reckons the level of dangerous chemicals can be 20 times more than that of a smoky room. And some of our high street banks and building societies aren't giving very good advice when you go in. The consumer group, which says many advisers, don't really understand the risks of some investments. Down to the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre, Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. 7.3. Looking for only 19 minutes, very nearly 20 minutes past five. Coming to you live from Leicester Square this morning. I was reading Westminster Council. They were talking about the uh, the parking in London. And very soon we're going to have to be paying extra if you want to come in at night. So in other words, most of you won't. And they say, do you know, could you, and they, they were then preaching to the converted by telling us that it's as busy at three in the morning as it is at three in the afternoon. I thought, yes, of course it is. Because that's because some people work nights. You know, that's what happens. They're not really the brightest down there, are they? But uh, spare a thought... For all those people who are smoking in their cars at the moment, they'll never enforce it. I'll tell you for why. Because Paul points out, he said the law can't even stop people smoking in work vehicles. I mean, I see it all the time. I can can name you chapter and verse. I can tell you, in fact, I saw a bloke driving a post office van the other day. We used to call them GPO vans. And he's got a fag on, you know, gets out the thing with the fag. I see this all the time, all round our way. All of the, the council dustbin men, or refuse collectors, or refuse operators, or what do they call them now, they're all smoking in their vans. They couldn't give a four at the council aren't going to do anything about that. What are you going to do them with? What, are you going to take somebody off the team and get, well, we're going to take you to court now because you've been having a fag. You know, all they can do is put a sign on it going, no smoking in this vehicle. I mean, I actually got in a, in a car ages ago. I can tell if the driver smokes, because I can smell it, because I don't smoke. And, and if, if you smoke, I wouldn't better smell it. But because I don't smoke, uh, I can smell it straight away. So sometimes the drivers stand outside the car. I saw a minicab driver the other day. I was driving up past... Was I going out to... Anyway, it was, it was up sort of Ealing Common Way, round the North Circular. And uh, next to me, there's a minicab driver sitting there. He's got the converted transit van. You know, they put some windows in the back and some seats and try to make it look more appealing. And uh, he's got a fag on and he's happily there. With it. And I'm thinking, you're not supposed to be smoking in that. It's a work vehicle. Spare a thought, though, this morning... For Marta Yegranaman. Yarta Yegranaman uh, is, is Russian, and uh, a few years ago she uh, heard a deafening crash outside her little house. Uh, she has a summer house in the Russian city of uh, Pradovsk. And uh, because a lot of the, the Russians have normal houses, and then they have what they call a little summer house. It's like a Wendy house, and you go and sit there and you look after two two radishes and a vegetable tree or something, I don't know. And so she was there, she heard this dreadful crash. <coughs> so being good Russian woman, another vodka, and we go outside and she finds a spacecraft. I know, she'd been drinking seriously bad vodka, and probably making it from the radishes. And anyway, in the wreckage, in a little tiny suit, was a spaceman. And so she lovingly picks up the spaceman and she puts him in her fridge. And there he has resided for two years. Two years I am looking after spaceman. And uh, now she's decided to hand it over 
to the uh, Carleian Research Centre of the Russian Academy of Sciences, who also drink, and uh, and and there there it's a vegetable. Okay, for two years this drunk old bag has been keeping a vegetable in her fridge. Well, it's it's just a horrible misshapen vegetable because as astronomer Dr. Ian Griffin explained yesterday, if aliens were smart enough to travel vast distances between the stars, they're probably smart enough to avoid being stored in a fridge for two years. You know, excuse, let I let that out. Out? They'd be doing it in another... Russian. Russian people they are. And so you look at this thing and you think, yeah, I suppose in your twisted, warped mind, it's an alien. Uh, Unfortunately, dear, it's a stick attached to a vegetable. Okay? You know, what can I tell you? And apparently in Russia... Uh, in the good Soviet Union, we have many, many sightings of the... Because, remember, they've also found yetis over there. They must be a nation of alkies. They must be chucking back the vodka like there's no time. This, this yeti. What, only the one? You don't think there's a family by now? These things must be 100 years old. We've often explained, haven't we? We've tried to explain away the Loch Ness Monster... And we've uh, managed to, to dispense with the crop circle loonies, you know, its students with a piece of rope. There's no spaceship that comes down. Because otherwise the entire country would see it. A bit like E.T. When this thing takes off at the end, it's vast. You know, they come down. Why would they want to make funny shapes in the fields? But loonies like that kind of stuff. So uh, here, uh, although the, the Fortean Times editor, David Sutton, said, the alien in the 1951 movie of The Thing was a superintelligent vegetable. So who knows? Obviously not so super intelligent. He couldn't fly his spacecraft. Managed to fly. It's always, it's always two balmy women, isn't it, in the Russian outback or something. It's never like Leicester Square. Never Leicester Square. It's never, you know, pop into Twickenham. Never anything like that. Never Barnes. Never. Be- it's, it'll always be some drunk old baggage who's there in, in Summer House, in uh, Land of Sun, and, uh, poof, and here it is. And so she picks it. I'd have eaten it. It's a vegetable, love. You've just grown it in your garden. You know, there's no spaceship. You know, I'd be more interested if she kept the spaceship. Would you not think? Or the little flying suit it came in. Quite clear, they're mad as brushes over there, aren't they? But it's always interesting, because you always get, you know, the loonies who go, well, of course, you know, the universe is terribly big and there's no explanation of how far it goes out there. There are stranger things in heaven and earth. And these are generally people who talk to like-minded people, equally barking mad, I'm afraid. Because <laughs> I'm in the real world. You know, I've been broadcasting for <coughs> quite a number of years. And, uh, and I've invited aliens almost on a weekly basis to come and join us in the studio. Well, either they're not understanding English or they're not as intelligent as we thought, because so far, nobody but nobody has taken up my offer of In Conversation, That Remembers Me, or any other programme I've done on here. And I've said to them, listen, you can have the whole show. Just explain to us, you know... I mean, they, they, they could come in and do the papers for us. We wouldn't pay them, but they could come in and do the paper. I mean, you know, but they've never taken it up. And I'm assuming if they're actually as intelligent as people say, if they can make a spacecraft that travels throughout the universe, crossing frontiers, you know, I'm assuming they must understand the basic English language. Although if you look at the Anywhere's Essex, it's a little bit difficult, isn't it, really? Because none of them understand the basic English language. So there's lots of pictures of this alien in the fridge for two years. Lovely. I tell you what, I, I do need your help this morning. I only ask, I don't open up phone lines, as you know, I'm not a phone line person, but I've got confused this morning. In fact, I've been confused for a number of years over duvet togs. And people explained to me some years ago, and I'm, it's obviously not registering at all because I have no idea what a duvet tog is. I've got, a, because people say you should have a summer duvet and a winter duvet. Well, I've got no idea. I'd, so is there anybody listening who maybe sells duvets? Who could explain to me, or an intelligent person, what the duvet tog is and what I'm supposed to be looking for? Am I going for a very heavy duvet or am I going for a light duvet? Am I, what, what numbers am I looking for? If you know the answer to this, 
and I would be eternally grateful because it's it's worrying me somewhat. I do have two duvets, but I don't know which whether they're right. They might both be wrong. Oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. It's only because I've got to buy a new duvet, and I don't know what I'm buying. I mean, they, they could fob me off with any old codswallop in the shops nowadays. What what is a tog? Duvet togs. I thought it was the toggle that held the thing together. That when you when you put the it, it inside, I thought that that's what it was. I mean, how do they rate it? Does anybody anybody any experts out there on duvet togs? I'm willing to take your call. Roger, you're not balmy mad this morning. Don't want anybody who's seen vegetables from outer space. Okay, oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Just to explain it to me, because it's it's every year I think I must ask somebody if they know about duvet togs. So if you think you know. Do give me a ring and let me know this morning, because it, it'll make Christmas so much easier, so much easier this year for, for so many of us. Oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Here's this woman, Tracy John. Tracy John uh, is, uh, is branded an eco-criminal. What she did, she dropped a cigarette butt outside her home, and they find a 465 quid. 465 pounds. I can't believe it myself. And uh, she actually, I'm not paying. I'll go to jail if I have to. There's no way I'm paying a fine for dropping a fag end outside my own front door. Well, you should be. You're an eco, you're an eco criminal. You should absolutely be taken to prison and thereby hanged until dead. Because you know, if everybody did it, and you do see people doing it all the time, you know, I've done it. Nobody looks around for an ashtray, do they? So she says she, she was confronted by a litter enforcement officer. So she goes outside her house to have the fag and does what most people do. And then just flicks it into the street. And he went, oi, 50 quid fine. I'm not paying that, she goes. Probably in a nice... If you think, young man, I'm going to be... I don't think she talks like that at all. If you think I'm going to be paying that, you've got another thing coming. So it's now gone up to £465. And, uh, and she will have to go to prison. She says, what am I do? supposed to do? Put it out of my hand? No, Poppet, don't be stupid. I mean, don't be as dim as people think you are. You know, if you're an intelligent person, what you do is you sort of you put it out or you push it into your garden. You know, if you've got a bit of garden at the front, into the earth. Or failing that, if you like smoking outside your house, because quite clearly you don't want smoking inside the house, then why don't you go out and get some sand, put it in a little bucket thing outside your front door and then stub your fags out. And then every so often, like pubs do, you clear it out. Is that too difficult for you? Quite clearly, Yes. But anyway, she's been fined £350, £100 costs and a £15 surcharge. And uh, Rhonda Taff, council seeker boss, Nigel Wheeler, said, uh, we will not tolerate these people. He said, the illegal disposal of cigarette-related waste is the biggest single problem throughout the area, as well as creating unsightly environmental conditions. It can attract vermin, because you can't move for rats and mice around my way, dragging up, you know, sitting there with a fag on. That attracts vermin. It's very bizarre. Very bizarre. So anyway, so it's a very likely, very good likely that she could be going to prison for Christmas. That's a good idea, isn't it? Sorts that problem out. And then there's four children who face having their intestines removed before they turn 18 because their dad has a rare genetic disease that causes cancer. And there's a picture of them here. This is uh, Lacey, Shannon, Jay, Lily Jane and Ellie May. And uh, bless their hearts, they, they might have their organs removed to save their lives. And you thought you were having a bad day. God, I thought it was going so well as well. It's LBC 97.3. It's nice to be company. It's early breakfast with Steve Allen. It's Wednesday, and the time now is 5.30. Oh, we have really 28 minutes to six. Duvet togs. No idea. Not a clue. Completely up a tree, I'm afraid, on this one. I don't understand what they are. I don't understand what I'm supposed to be looking for. And they, they go, this is... I mean, I do know that the best duvet to buy is Siberian Goose. 
apparently. So I suppose you go round in Siberia goosing people and then putting the results into the duvet. But I've got no idea what, what togs are. It's ridiculous. So uh, do let me know, please. And hopefully we'll have the answer this morning. Because it's, it's, uh, it really is driving me absolutely crackers, I'm afraid. And, uh, and one here. Steve, in the last ten years, we've lost Johnny Cash... Steve Jobs, Bob Hope, Jimmy Savile. So now we have no cash, no jobs, no hope, and no bugger to fix it. So there you go. Thank you very much indeed. Somebody complained about a rude word on the television. I think uh, Len Goodman said the word git or something like that. 600 people complained. You need to get a life. You really need to get a life. Daniel. Hello there. Good morning. Morning. So, I remember you asking this question a couple of weeks ago, but... Um, yeah, I didn't understand I it then. I'm, I'm no, no better off now, I'm afraid. What is it? No, uh, I think it goes from about 5 to 15. 5 being, like, the thinnest for summer, and 15 being the, the, the thickest for the winter. I think they go up in, like, 5, 7.5, 10... Right. 12.5. 12. So what's the difference? Um, I mean, I mean could, could you not just have two? One which is 5, which is summer, and one which is 15, which is the winter. What, what's the point of the ones in between? Um, I think it's just, it depends, it depends on personal, bre- personal preference, sorry. Mm. Um, but but, how, but I, what are they measuring? Are they measuring what's inside it? it, it no, it, I think it's how much heat they retain, so, oh. so most, 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 well, most would be thicker. Right, because, because you can get, I mean, when I went out to buy a duvet a couple of years ago, I was amazed at how... The price is varied. You can either buy a very cheap duvet, or you can spend four or five hundred pounds on a duvet. And I was sort of thinking to myself then, and well, now now you've explained to me. Thank you. I'm very grateful. So five would be the lowest, and fifteen would be the highest. But I don't see the point. As, as a, you have to try them all out. Can you road test duvets? I suppose you could road test the blooming thing. You could sort of lie underneath it. Daniel, thank you for that. You could lie underneath it and go. I don't know. Am I too warm? I'm not too warm. Too too cold? Too hot? I don't know. How are you coping with it today? I mean, I'm, I'm hopeless. I mean, some mornings I climb into bed, and do you know what I've done so far? I think I've been quite good, actually. I've been very economical. I've not put the heating on yet. I was telling Gary on the front door, I said, uh, he said, he, he said, he said, I've had my heating on for a month. And I said, I've resisted. He said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just not putting the heating on. I'm thinking, I'm leaving it as late as possible. Not for any, not, because what I've got to do, because it's not been on all year, I've got to go round and bleed all the radiators. And there's nothing worse than bleeding radiators, let me tell you. You know, because you've got to rush around, and I've got one, two, three, four, five... I've got eight radiators to go around. I've got my little key. You have to put your little jug underneath, and then the water comes through, and it's, it's great. And, then you put, and I'm thinking, do I really want the heating on? No, nope, put a jumper on, which kind of defeats the object, because I've always said in previous years, I've kind of gone back on myself. I've always said, you know, the one thing I refuse to do in winter is freeze. I do not want to freeze. I like the idea of... Um, of, of the shower in the morning, because it, because if, if it's cold, and I have experienced cold, as many of you have in London, or wherever else, the worst place was Finland, where I'm in this log cabin in the hotel, and it's got a shower, and it was freezing. It was so cold. And I'm standing in the shower, and it was what they call, um, oh, come on, they call it a wet room. So, in other words, the whole bathroom becomes the shower. So you stand there in the middle, which makes you feel a bit... Vul- you feel like you should put clothes on, really, to have the shower. I felt a little bit vulnerable. And, uh, and you have the shower there, and it wasn't, wasn't what I call the best shower. I like a really good power shower. You know, I really like the heat to come out. And this one didn't go that hot. So when I dried myself, and it's always thin towels, isn't it, in hotels? Always thin, thin towels. So I, I wasn't too sure 
whether or not, you know, I was going to survive it or whether the hypothermia was going to set in. But at the moment, I'm not, uh, I'm not putting the heating on. I wonder if you're, you're the same at the moment. If you're elderly, you're probably too frightened to put it on. So, first of all, you don't know about the duvets, you don't know about the togs. I don't know what the filling is. Do I go for foam or feather? You know, I've, I've got Siberian goose, but I feel a bit sorry for them because I think they're endangered. And I'm not sure whether or not, you know, they're actually killing them just to make my duvet. I don't like that idea. Frank. Hi, yeah. This, this tog business, I mean, basically it's a measurement of warmth. Right. Now, my one that I've got is actually one that you can... There's two duvets that you can clip together. So oh. I've got a four and a half one for the summer. Four and a half togs? Yep. And right. nine for the winter. But if it gets really cold, you can actually clip the two together to make 13 and a half. God, it's even more confusing now. So well, you've got a duvet a that you idea. can clip together with another duvet. Yeah, yeah, it's, it comes as one, but you can clip them together. Right. You know, it, it, yeah, it comes in one box. But so so is, is it actually clipped together underneath it? So, in fact, it's double thickness? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's got clips all along every side, so oh. you can clip the two parts together oh. if what, it's really cold. Whereabouts do these come from? Uh, any shop. Basically, right. Deb Blooms, John Lewis's. And how much are you supposed to spend on these things? I mean, I, I don't know what would be an average price for, for a duvet. I've, I've really got no well, idea. Well, if you go to Debenham's sale, which starts today, oh, you can you. probably pick one up for about uh, 50 quid. 50 pounds? Yeah. 50, what do you think we're earning in this business? 50? Good heaven, I'd have to loads, do a week. I suspect loads. I'd have to do a week here. A week but at you least. You put more than that in your car. Oh, that is true. Yeah, but that's completely different. I'm not sleeping with the car. I'd like to sleep with the duvet. And how much time do you spend in the car compared to your bed? Well, well, to be honest with you, at the rate it's going, it'll be cheaper to sleep in the car. <laughs> I might have to move a duvet on, onto the back seat. So you might have to sell your flat to <laughs> oh, I should never, ne- never do things like that. Heavens above, I've got 400 Albanians sleeping in one of the rooms at the moment. I'm not missing out on that money for anything. Thank you very much indeed. So I'm still none the wiser on this thing. So now you can get double duvets, so you can toggle up. So you can now go from, if, if you've got a five and a three, then you've got eight if you put them together. Where do people keep these spare things? Mean, I've got duvets, I mean, I've got these two duvets. I don't know which is which. One of them's very expensive and the other one's a little bit cheaper. And, and I've had them cleaned and I'm, I'm sort of kind of getting there, but I'm not doing very well with it. And I did climb into bed the other night and I didn't put the heating on and I woke up, I was boiling hot. And because I didn't put the heating on, I put one leg outside, which, which promptly froze in about 35 seconds. So I woke up, and I thought I'd lost the use of one of my legs, because I couldn't feel it. And I've started getting this numb feeling, and people tell me, oh, it's quite dangerous, you get numb feeling in your legs. I thought I'd get numb feeling roughly over most of my body. But I'm, I'm, I'm sort of getting there, I think I'm understanding this. So five is the lowest tog... And you can get a duvet for about 50 quid, or perhaps even... Ch- she's got one for free next door. Because we've been saving... She hasn't got it yet. We've been saving the tokens. God, uh, we've got to get there by tomorrow. Let's hope... Please, Mr Postman, if you're listening, can you please rush this thing through? Because if she doesn't get it, we'll have wasted ages cutting tokens out of the blasted paper. Morning, Jill. Oh, good morning, Steve. Morning. Yes. Can you explain um, this thing to me? you about tog ratings yes, on, on duvets. Well... The thing is, it all depends on how hot your house is, what, what if you have central heating on in, in the bedroom or what you do. Um, obviously, a summer weight, as the gentleman said prior to that, is, you know, a five or six, seven. But, you know, the thing is, if you want a reasonable night's sleep, you need to have um, a proper down duvet because right. um, the thing is, you need to be able to... Um, it, it's it's light. Um, it absorbs the moisture as you sleep. Mm-hmm. And whereas if you have a polyester thing, mm. it's 
just rubbish. You get so hot one yes. minute. You throw it off, you get freezing cold. I can't do polyester. I have to tell Don't you, I'm not a polyester. polyester. But no, um, no. What you need to do is come to me, darling, because I sell them. And oh, I can useful. also... I, and I'm in Isha, I'm around the corner from you, yeah. and I can take, take you right the way through the whole range. And um, I also sell the best Italian bed linen in the world. So the only thing I, I don't do, I mean, I, I do have bed linen, and all I have is fitted sheets, duvet covers. I've got, you know, I've got so many duvet covers because I see one yeah. and I see them in John Lewis or wherever it happens to be, and I go, oh, I like the look of that. And then you look at the price, yeah. three hundred pounds for a duvet cover. It's ridiculous. But but the well, thing is that I mean, I'm, not, I'm debating see. whether or not to buy pajamas. You see, now I'm thinking, do I buy pajamas or do I? I, I don't wear anything in bed. That's an image I want you to take to your breakfast table this morning of the fact that I do sleep au naturel, OK? You know, because I'm hardy and I'm British. And uh, I haven't worn pyjamas since I was about 12, but I'm now thinking, because I've walked past Marks and Spencer's in Kingston a few times, and I thought, maybe pyjamas, you know. But then I'm thinking, is that an admittance that, you know, if the doorbell rings, I've got to sort of get up? Because, I mean, normally it's a bit of a fright to people when you open the door. Well, what I normally do is I normally wrap a towel around my waist, go to the door, and then conveniently let the towel drop. And uh, they don't stay too long on the front door, let me tell you. They really don't. Uh, thank you for that, Jill. Uh, Steve says, Paul, the spaceman, the woman kept in her fridge for two years, didn't she check the sell-by date? I mean, it's a vegetable. You can see it's a vegetable. Unless you've had a huge amount uh, of, uh, of vodka. John says, I think it'd be a better idea to pass a law forcing cyclists to wear helmets. Well, they do, and some of them have got cameras on the top. I don't know if you've seen the ones around here. It's like Star Trek has landed. They've got little cameras, just in case, you know, a motorist sort of drives out in front of them. Uh, Russell says, the government has a no-smoking compliance line which you can call and report anyone flouting the no-smoking legislation. The local council are obliged to investigate. Google the number. Jeff in Kent says, I got a written warning because my workmate was smoking in the lorry. They said I should have stopped and asked him to get out, as if that would happen. You see, I mean, I see the, um, the refuse collectors around our way doing it all the time. I mean, seriously, I mean, they're all smoking in their lorries. Smoking in the car, says Martin, is nothing. While stuck in traffic, a car pulled up to me at the lights. In, the, in her lap was a bowl, left hand on the steering wheel, and she was eating her breakfast. No wonder car insurance would go through the I, don't, I see people... I mean, I sat at traffic lights the other day, red traffic... I've been there for about 35 seconds. This car comes straight over them. Didn't even bother stopping. I'm assuming it was nicked. You so want to have one of those zapper guns, don't you? You go... And it just goes... And just vanishes before your eyes. Uh, Ian says, re the refuse men smoking in their wagon. It's illegal as it's deemed a place of work. Well, if I was, if I was in that vehicle, I'd be causing merry hell, I'm afraid. I'd be saying, excuse me, I don't want you smoking. I don't want to be contaminated by your fat. I don't know why nobody stood up to him. He was a fat bloke. I'll find out who he is. I'll find out who he is. <laughs> Just drive everybody mad. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, thank you to, very much to two very elderly listeners in Coolston who went to a Bernardo's Christmas fair recently and saw the enclosed cards because it's got sprouts on. And as you all know, I have a bit of a thing about sprouts. Not too much of a thing. I mean, I, 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 do, I do like sprouts. In fact, I, I could eat sprouts all year round. I know they're a bit like Marmite. People go, no, oh, I don't like that. And some people go, I couldn't touch sprouts. And I think, I love sprouts. I'm eating all the stuff that as a kid I never would eat. Broccoli. Leaks. I mean, leeks, me. I mean, I've been known to go into... Well, I don't know, as a kid, we never had leeks. We thought it was a posh vegetable. And um, we thought it was a posh way of saying I'm going to the toilet. Well, we thought it was posh. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't go out buying vegetables. We didn't have sell-by dates when I was around. And, and now I go out and I buy what they call a winter mixture. And it's a bag of vegetables. And you, and you just sort of 
Um, to, no, I don't cut my own vegetables. No, there's a, there's, there's a shop that sells cut vegetables now. And so you get carrots, leeks, courgettes, and a few other bits and pieces. And then you open the bag, and then you put them in there. Do you cut vegetables, she says. Do you cut vegetables? <laughs> what is the point of having stores like Waitrose and Marks and & Spencers and Lidl and everybody else? Actually, strangely enough, I tell you what I saw the other day, talking of these stores, very good advert for Sainsbury's Christmas, because you're getting all the adverts, with Jamie Oliver, who I think's now moved to Morrison's. And he's now advertising Morrison's, but they're not doing a Christmas ad, but he's currently running with one for Sainsbury's. And it's a huge thing. It looks like the Palladium they filmed in with all these pantomime characters, which reminds me very shortly, you're going to be enjoying the LBC Advent calendar, which we took great delight in filming up at Angels. I only mention it because there's going to be a video of behind the scenes. And if that doesn't blow your socks off this Christmas, nothing will, because I had to properly... Not, not just put a costume on, we had to do the whole bit. So when I'm dressed as a woman... OK, so it's, it's only acting, it's only acting, I'm not cross-dressing or nothing like that. You know, I had to put tights on for the girls. I didn't enjoy doing it. I want that on record, you know, just in case people think, you know, it's going to start cross-dressing all of a sudden on the programme. It's not going to happen. Quarter to six. <laughs> These are the headlines. New figures are expected to show youth unemployment has risen above the one million mark. Unions and youth campaign groups are calling on the government to tackle unemployment. As they say, 16 to 24-year-olds are bearing the brunt of the UK's jobs crisis. The City of London corporations expected to serve notices today to anti-capitalist protesters camped outside St Paul's Cathedral. The legal notice will ask the campus to remove all tents and equipment pitched on the public highway around the cathedral within 24 hours. And as you've heard already, doctors are calling for a ban on smoking in cars. The British Medical Association wants the government to bring in the move to help protect children and the elderly. Have a check on the roads for you this morning. Get there nice and quickly with the help of Jay Louise in the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. So- morning, every 12 minutes to six. Uh, Bridget's off to Rock of Ages tonight at the Shaftesbury. So I've got the soundtrack, she said, and it sounds great. I know it didn't get the best reviews, but I love the soundtrack. I, I, I really love the soundtrack. I'm, ver- I'm very big into, into soundtracks of things. Uh, in my job says Paul. They stitched me up always saying they needed photographic proof of the day drivers smoking in the lorries. So I followed the main culprit one day in my car, which work knew about, and he complained about being followed. And, uh, and they then gave me a final written warning, as he'd claimed I intimidated and harassed him. You can't win, can you? You cannot win. That's what people do now. You know, you can have people who, who commit murder in this country, and then, you know, we think, can, can we get rid of them back to where they came from? Because they're quite clearly crooks, and we don't want them here. No, they'll find a, a lawyer who will go, it's their human rights. There's some poor woman in the paper today, and she's been harassed by somebody on, on Twitter. And, and uh, she's been to the police, and they say they can't do anything because it infringes his civil liberties to talk about her on Twitter. You think, you idiots. You idiots. Do something. By the way, I'm delighted to report that the bloke who's been uh, harassing uh, Catherine Jenkins... Uh, has been taken off Twitter. So that's good news. Quite clearly, somebody's not all there in the head. And uh, there's more to follow. More to follow. But uh, unfortunately, Paul says, I was told I'm the worst person as I'm an ex-smoker. I know, traditionally, we are the worst people to complain about smoking. He said, even to this day, I'm complaining about the stench. The day drivers leave in my lorry and they do nothing about it. When I refuse to take the motor out because of the mess and the stench, they tell me it's a gross misconduct if I refuse to drive the vehicle. Yet they still don't deal with the smokers breaking the law. Yeah, I mean, you you need to go and see a lawyer on that one. And incidentally, following up from yesterday on the programme, talking about debt and people who get themselves into terrible debt and then sit there going, what can I do? There are all sorts. You can go to the Citizens Advice Bureau or there's a company online. I think it's called CCCS, 
www.ofcourt.co.uk. And for no fee, they will write to the people you owe money to. And it's got to be a substantial amount. I think it's got to be between five and £15,000 or 5000 upwards. And, uh, and if you cannot afford to pay it, they will write to these companies because, having checked yesterday, if you owe money to people, there is a pecking order as to who gets it. And credit cards are way down the list because they deem the fact that they were daft enough in the first place to give you the money so they can be last to receive anything that comes back. And the, these companies negotiate with the credit card companies and with all sorts of people to reduce your outgoing so at least you can live without having to worry about debt. And as I said yesterday, coming up to Christmas, many of you are going to be thinking, it's Christmas, we don't have a lot of money for this, the kids are going to be wanting this, that and the other. And if you haven't got anything, you know, you see no end in sight. But there are companies that can help. So Citizens Advice Bureau, I know they get a bit overworked, and they probably won't thank me for saying that, but they do offer that service for free. There are companies who charge for it, but I think cccs.co.uk don't charge. OK, so uh, good luck with that one. And uh, Sid sent me a picture of sprouts. Thank you very much indeed. Very nice. So I like them not overcooked. Actually, I'm getting better about that. Uh, the TOG ratings, Steve, uh, duvets online. I quite like the idea that there's actually a website for, uh, for people working at TOG ratings. Uh, decided to give up, says Johnny on Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. I saw an article that Sunita was entering the house and... Um, um, I'm very tired of her recent claim to fame of being Simon Cowell's so-called keeper of secrets and best chum. Actually, she said she'd like Simon Cowell to go out to the jungle. There's about as much chance of that as this alien coming to live in this Russian woman's fridge, I'm afraid. Plus, and um, <laughs> picked her up in the cab a few months ago. He said, can we scrub the word diva from the dictionary and replace it with... Oh, dear. Actually, somebody, somebody told me the other day that Lee Latchford Evans and Claire were in a supermarket launching a DVD and he wanted to go to the toilet and he wanted security to go with him to the toilet. I thought, perhaps, perhaps, he, I don't, perhaps he can't go by himself, I don't know. He said, uh, the place you're going for lunch is minimum £70 without wine. This is where Sunita was going to. He said, I hope the 20 pence helped the waiter out. <laughs> I like that idea. I've, I've, we're all going out for, for a meal soon. Well, I'm, I'm sort of... I'm, uh, Silk-filled duvet, fantastic. Keeps me nice and warm. But then that's also down to my hot husband, says Jane. <laughs> so you say. I've heard that line before. My husband is hot. Uh, have you got Siberian down or Siberian feathers? I've got Siberian down, and apparently it's warmer, but at this moment it feels the same as my old duck feather one as I'm freezing. Cost me a fortune, too. I've not put the heating on this year yet. Maybe today. I'm just going to see how long I can go without putting the heating on. It's not that I mean... I'm really, I'm, I'm not mean at all. Thank you, June, for t uh, the, the geek hit on togs. Putting a three and five together will not give you an eight. A tog is not... Oh, no, it gets very complicated, so it's even more complicated than I thought it was before. Thank you for that one. Um, uh, Maliki, no. Only one, I'm afraid. Only one, I'm afraid. At 2.30. Only one. Um, Colin says... Uh, he says, what is this country coming to? The government on about banning smoking in your own car. I mean, very shortly, there's going to be a knock at the door, isn't there? Excuse me, are you smoking in this house? Do you have children in here? Because that's, that's the worrying thing, isn't it? That it's, it, you know... I mean, I admit that I think if you smoke in the car and you've got kids in the car, then you're an idiot. But that's, that's just my personal thoughts on it. You know, if you want to sit in the car and smoke yourself to death, I couldn't care less. Makes no point. You know, it doesn't, doesn't worry me. It's the fact that you're supposed to have two hands on the wheel. That's the law. And if you've got a cigarette on, at periods, I'm assuming, you're going to be taking your hand off the wheel. And so you're going to be driving with one hand. If you're going down the motorway and you lose control of the car, you're going to cause a pile-up. 
you are seriously going to call an all over a cigarette. And then we heard earlier on from somebody on Christo's show that he said, because we all do it. We've all done it over the years. You smoke the cigarette and then you, you've been flicking it out the window. So all down the side of your car is a line of, of ash. And then you throw it out. And unfortunately, the gust of wind goes and throws it back inside again. So you end up with a cigarette on your lap. And you go, ah, ah. And if you're on a motorway, it's very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. He says, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a difficult one, that. I don't know. They're never going to ban it, are they? They're never going to ban it. Uh, Stephen Croydon wants to see massive fines imposed on people who let their dogs foul the pavement. Well, th- those people I, I would agree with, absolutely. Uh, Connie saw a bus driver smoking inside the bus, having a short break in Wimbledon. And when he started his journey, the smell of tobacco was disgusting, and that was inside the bus. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen, actually. Um, uh, I make cauliflower and leek cheese, says Jan. That sounds quite nice. I quite like the sound of that, actually, because I, I do like cauliflower cheese. I do like cauliflower cheese. Uh, Steve, spot all the black cab drivers smoking in their cabs. It's illegal, because it's their workplace. I, see it, I saw it the other week here, in the hotel just at the edge of Leicester Square, and there was a guy sitting in his cab with a fag on. It's no good having the fag outside the window. He's had his hand outside the window with the fag. Because every so often he put it inside and he was smoking. So he was smoking inside. Lynn's keeping the heating off as long as possible. Hoping to reap the benefits when it gets really cold. And Ian says, do you remember when there were blankets and sheets on your bed? No duvet at all. I remember the first time I had a duvet. We thought it was ever so posh. It was a, a duvet. We're getting a duvet. Really? Oh, crikey. I think I was the first one in our family to have highlights. And the second one to get the duvet. Because up until then, it was the sheets, and then the blanket, and then folded over, and then the pillow, and then, oh, and then you got a duvet, and all of a sudden, making the bed became quite easy. You just went, and it just, it all settled, it went, like that. The most frightening thing is buying a mattress topper, let me tell you, because it comes all wrapped up. It's frightening because when you take, the, because they're packed under vacuum compression, and so it's like they weigh a ton, OK, because it's compressed foam and you take it out and this thing envelops you like Russian alien and duvet take up whole room. And, and you look at this thing and then over the day it gets bigger and it gets thick and you look at it and then you jump on it in the night. And you go, ooh, this is nice. And then after a while you go off the idea because they're so blooming expensive, <laughs> very expensive. Uh, eight for eight five oh uh, merino wool quilt duvets on eBay around 60 pounds. There's Terry, who's in Coventry. So you've obviously been very naughty, haven't you? You've been sent up there. Goodness sake, most people don't survive on that one. Uh, Kira Knightley, I needed vodka shots before kinky sex scenes. Don't we all, ladies and gentlemen? And come Christmas, you're getting the attention-seeking newsreaders. Because we just don't want to be seen as people who just read big words on a thing and look there and go... And so it's all the usual suspects, I'm afraid. Sean Williams, Sophie Rayworth, Susanna Reid and Emily Maitlis, who you really can't keep off of television. They're so desperate for the attention that they're doing one of these strictly come dancing things and Angela Rippon will be uh, spreading her legs 35 years on 35 years on well there's a picture of her doing it here she does the splits at 67 unbelievable and so well done because you remember when, when she did it she said there may be trouble ahead and then they moved the thing about and she's going to be recreating that and here she is being held apart by the dancers and she's doing the splits in the air in the air, I ask you, have you ever seen anything like it? But the rest of them, they do it under the guise that we'd like to do something for charity. Like Tamara Eccleston. She managed to get the Duchess of Pork, York, to go along to her great Ormond Street thing. She said, my, my show focuses on, on the fact that I do charity. Yes, but most people who do charity don't sort of, you know, publicise it after the event. You know, you're just filming it for a TV show, and that's all it is. But she, but she managed to get the A-list 
of people there, all the people that you'd normally get for this kind of thing, and uh, including one of them, the Duchess of York, who had plasters on her feet. Don't ask why. Apparently they didn't want to discuss why she had plasters on her feet. Apparently she'd fallen over or something like that. But uh, she, she's normally around for things like that. And, um, and remember the student, Danielle Corns, who stole two left-foot trainers during the summer riots. She's been sent off for ten months to a Young Offenders Institute. They're having no truck with her whatsoever. She was close to tears as a woman launched a tirade at the judge. Presumably family or something like that. But ten months. Shouldn't have broken into a store. Shouldn't have stolen from people, OK? If you hadn't been caught on the television and we saw your images, then uh, you wouldn't have come forward. But you knew that you were doomed the moment somebody got your picture and they went, that's the thief. That's the one who stole from my shop. This particular shop is called Zap. And they lost £30,000 worth of stock. People nicked it like this little person. So uh, you'll be spending Christmas behind bars. So that's good news. Won't be doing it again, will you? That might be the thing. And I could not believe that when I was younger, there was a murder of a girl called Yolande Waddington. It happened down the road from where I lived in Berkshire. And we talked about nothing else because we hadn't had that, although two girls were murdered within a sh- f- uh, short few days after that. All these years later, 45 years on, They've arrested a man in connection with it. 45 years on. All to do with DNA. 1966, Yolande Waddington was murdered. And uh, as I said, we talked about nothing else. It made all the papers for a long, long time. But they... Morning, everybody. All this doom, gloom and misery in the uh, papers today. The, uh, the doctors saying that we should ban smoking in cars. They'll never bring it in. How are they going to bring... How is that going to be possible to police it? They can't even stop people smoking in lorries. What possible hope is there? Otherwise, the, the, the courts would be clogged up. But uh, the other good news, Chantal, living the dream, Alex Reed, living everybody else's dream except his own, you'll be delighted to know that she's, she's pregnant. And uh, they're, they're, they're not married. They've only been going out since April. Presumably they've run out of ideas of how to sort of make, make interesting stories. And so, as one of the papers has said today, you know, it's lovely. They had been trying for a baby. You'll remember, of course, that Jordan got rid of Alex Reed for reasons. And we weren't sure what the reasons were. He sort of said, oh, she was saying I was firing blanks and all the rest of it. This proves I wasn't. Chantelle had only told us a short while ago that um, she couldn't conceive, so she'd started IVF. But this child would conceive days before she started it. And uh, they said it's after she suffered from bulimia. So they have a child. They're not married. I mean, I, I don't want to be prophet of doom. But to be honest with you, neither of them have, have good track records at staying with people. Because they, they tend to be caught up in celebrity. You know, once you're caught up in celebrity... Because already they've, they've gone to OK magazine and sold the story about it. So even the, the, this poor kid isn't even born yet. And already it's got a price tag on its head. It's a bit sad, isn't it, in this day and age, that that's how bad it's got. So, uh, whilst we wish them every success, I reckon in two years' time we'll not be talking about people together. I'm willing to be proved wrong. I'm more than happy to be proved wrong. Shooting Stars has been axed. I didn't even know it wasn't axed. I had no idea, but Vic and Bob have uh, been told no more. Their bombshell uh, came from BBC Two, who said they were slashing the number of entertainment panel programmes. How many have they got? Have they got that many? Oh, they've got hundreds of them. Oh, right. So they managed to get rid of Vic and Bob after, after 20 years. 20 years before it hit the screen. Has it not been on constantly? Did it, did it run its course? Has it, oh, right. So I, I never watched I just knew that Matt Lucas used to dress up as a baby on it. And that's all I can remember. And all, that, that was 20 years ago. And Ulrika Johnson as well. That was the only thing. Oh, good Lord heavens above. There she is getting them out for the boys. This is Jessica Jane Clement. Model, glamour girl. And actress. And uh, she apparently plays for... Posed for Playboy when she was 18 and blonde. 
So that's lovely. And so they've got pictures in the paper of when, when she did it. I mean, I wonder why she was appearing on the programme. It can't be just saving up for Christmas, can it? And uh, Frankie Cocosa has been promised a slot on the lucrative X Factor tour if he cleans up his act. I would have thought actually it'd be more Im- impressive if he actually learnt to sing. You know, sing as he can't sing. And Jane Moore echoes what everybody says. Nancy Dulalio may have exited strictly, but her rampant ego continues to stomp unchecked across life's dance floor. One minute she's popping up on Sky News to give us her views on Italian politics, which seems to boil down to the fact that Berlusconi fancied her. She's really quite, quite mad, isn't she? The next she's telling us that Tony Blair had a genius, not unlike JFK's, but that his lawyer wife, Cherie, was jealous of me from the outset. She's, I mean, what, what world is she inhabiting? Why are we putting people like this who quite clearly are a little bit unhinged? However, one suspects the root of Cherie's displeasure, if indeed there was any, would have been less to do with Nancy's unerring beauty and far more to do with the fact that she too describes herself as a lawyer while seemingly having no discernible talent for making money beyond selling herself on television or in print. It's something I'd love to see her in court. Love to see Nancy delusional actually doing something in court. Spends most of her time droning on to anybody who'll listen over here who puts her on the television. Why they put her on there, I've got no idea. She's contributed nothing. Nothing to anybody. She can't dance. She has no sex appeal as a plank of wood, I'm afraid. Very disappointing. But but she is going to be writing a book. She is going to be writing a book about, you know... Well, we've had this before, haven't we? And to be honest with you, you'd have to be balmy mad if you take her version of how you're supposed to do seduction. You'd rather listen to me, wouldn't you? Or Stephen Merchant, probably. Perhaps he could give you an idea on how, how seduction works. Because he's not lucky in love, is Stephen Merchant. And he'll be telling us all about it on this week's In Conversation. Uh, Malcolm says, dictionary definition of tog, a coat or a cloak, i.e. to get togged up for winter. Well, they used to have... Well, in fact, Paddington Bear has got toggles... On the front of his little duffel coat. Can't beat a good duffel coat. And uh, Janice says, when I first got a duvet, they were called continental quilts. They were, actually. Continental quilts. Do you remember that? Do you have a continental quilt? No, we just got sheets like anybody else. I mean, I can remember distinctly, and strangely, it was jogged by Philip Schofield the other day, when he said that as, as a child, there was a very famous DJ called Alan Freeman, all right? And Alan Freeman used to advertise Brentford nylons. And Brentford nylons used to make nylon sheets. Now, if you had pyjamas that matched the nylon sheets, you could get sparks. You know, I could jump into bed, there'd be a crack, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you'd be going, ow, what was that? And you go, you've just made electricity. I couldn't touch things. I used to be prone to touching things. You know, it could be a light switch or whatever, and I'd get, and you go, ow, really dangerous. Um, cool Dip is in Gravesend, first time texter. Brilliant show, you make my day. I'm lying awake listening with the earplugs on, husband snoring. I know, it's dreadful, isn't it? It was snoring. It's the only thing that sort of makes more marriages split up, snoring. It's very dangerous as well. We used to have a, a lady here, her husband snored, and um, he went for everything. He went for, he tried this thing and that thing, and he, he couldn't stop it. And then I told you about something that we'd read about years ago in the paper, and it was to harden your palate, because it's your palate vibrating that gives you that kind of thing. I mean, I don't, I don't snore. Well, I mean, I don't know. Teddy's never said anything, so I'm assuming it's not going on. And um, and this injection was a bit, I suppose, like Botox. It hardened up the palate at the back of the mouth so it didn't vibrate. And they said it was very cheap because people try everything. You know, I've, everybody's been to bed, haven't they, with strips stuck over their nose. Must be really attractive. You've been sort of married to somebody for 40 years and they go, I'm just going to stick this thing over my... What's that for? To keep the nasal passages open. Well, it's not. It's not coming from there. It's coming from the back of your throat. And then there was another thing, which I told you about, which was the electronic thing that went on your wrist. And it was to train you not to snore. And it had a little 
It was about the size of a wristwatch, a little square box with, with a microphone on it, and every time you snored, it gave you an electric shock, which was really exciting. So, in other words, you know, you'd be frightened to climb into bed because you'd go like that, and the thing would go, go, ah! So, in other words, you'd stay awake all night, but it was good because it meant you didn't snore. So, that's handy, isn't it? More on those uh, in a moment. Plus, I've got, I want to know about your secret hoarding because apparently many of you are doing it. LBC 97.3. Morning, every 18 minutes past six. I hope your sheets, says Colleen. Hello, it's Colleen. Colleen's written in. That's nice, isn't it? A high-count cotton. Nothing better than posh sheets. To be honest with you, I don't know what they are. I think they're just off-the-shelf John Lewis fitted sheets. Can't do non-fitted. You know, I can only do elasticated in so many departments of my life. Uh, Steve, my lovely wife Sue is in hospital. I know she's listening, says Mark in Epping. They've closed my favourite restaurant in Epping, Unico, in the middle has closed down. No no indication of it closing down. But uh, I'm gutted. It's going to turn into a chain. But but there, it looks quite a good chain, but we, we liked Unico. Ooh, best place to eat in Epping. Uh, Lisa is in County Antrim. Hi, here. There you go, you see. It makes her feel at home now. All of a sudden, we've welcomed somebody into the fold and said, you just made me howl with laughter when you said you thought you'd lost the use of one of your legs after you stuck it out from under the duvet. I do that a lot, actually. In the middle of summer, I am prone to sticking legs out of the duvet. And then you wake up and you think, I've lost a leg. There's a leg gone missing. I've got one leg. But I might, I might buy pyjamas. This week, I might buy pyjamas. Sounds daft, doesn't it, really? It's all going on in the, in the world, isn't it? I've gone back to sheets and blankets, Steve, as I found duvets too hot and it put my back out changing the flipping cover. I have to stand on the bed to change the duvet cover. My mother used to have pegs, and she would peg the duvet in, so you crawl inside the duvet. They're not the easiest. You crawl inside, peg either end, and then shake it out. Well, I've always had to stand on the bed doing it, and sometimes, you know, I make myself laugh doing it because I've got a mirror at the back of my bed. That's too much information, I realise. But I have it. I don't know why I've got it there. There's no reason. I know. A little bit of an embarrassment, that one, I'm afraid. Uh, Dave says they can't stop the use of mobile phones in cars, Steve, so how will they stop smoking? I don't think they will. I, d- I honestly do not think it's possible. And uh, Johnny says, mention the words Tamara Eccleston and it's guaranteed to get me aggressive for the gym. Is there anyone who can explain to her what she represents? Nothing. Uh, a rather vain person who thinks that uh, we want to see her lifestyle on the television. We don't, I'm afraid. We absolutely don't. Uh, two copies on the way for me, says Stuart. After you tipped us off the other day that John Pertwee's Who Done It is out on DVD. Glad to be of help. Glad to be of help. And, um, and, um, Paul, so I'll, I'll check that one out. The, the reason yesterday, the, uh, yesterday's uh, podcast is going up later because we had an evacuation yesterday. That's why you probably wondered why halfway through the morning programme you heard Steve Allen talking to Darius. <laughs> there was a reason for it, OK? So that'll go up a little bit later on today. And, uh, and there's a, a story in the, in the papers today about people who hoard money. And that's you. But not, not just hoard money. You keep it secret from your partners and your spouses. How much do you think is hidden? And it doesn't matter whether it's under the duvet or in your bra or something like that, or, you know, hidden in your pant and sock drawer. Five billion pounds. Couples who like to stash the cash. So I'm wondering whether or not you'd be honest with me this morning. I wonder whether or not... And you would tell me, and I, I, I guarantee you total anonymity, unless you've got a very distinctive voice, like, hello, Steve, I've got uh, £20,000. And the wife's going, oh, I recognise that voice. That's my next-door neighbour. <laughs> yeah, or, Steve, a little bit of money stashed away. The old, the old wife doesn't know about it, you know. We, we, we live in Buckingham. Sorry, we don't live anywhere like that. We, we live in a small house in the middle of London. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like to know if, you know, if the Duke of Edinburgh, although that was a rather bad impression of Princess Anne, has actually got a little cash box 
you know, under the bed, you know, shilling here, shilling there, you know, save it for the metre. Because years ago, men used to come home, and I'm talking years ago, and they'd give their wages to the wife, and the wife would then decide what to spend the money on. She would, she'd be doing the budgeting. But now, apparently, they reckon the hidden cash of money and investments averages £1,037 for each of the 4.5 million secret savers. You a secret saver? It's like being a secret squirrel, isn't it? We're an Ovaltini. Do tell me, if, if you've secretly got, got money stashed away and your partner doesn't know anything about it, would you, would you confess to me this morning on 08456060973? Would you tell me that? Just, I mean, I, I guarantee, I mean, I promise you, I won't tell anybody where you live or your address. Or, you know, but, I mean, have you really... Because if this survey's right, there's five billion quid out there. A friend of mine gave me a suit once. Uh, well, I'll tell you, it was Dale. And he gave me quite a few suits, because at that time they, they kind of fitted me. Now there's no chance. And, uh, and when I, I went to put my hand in one of the pockets, there was a whole bunch of tenors in there. Because what he'd done is he'd been to the cash point, put the money in the inside pocket, and completely forgotten about it. I thought it was testing me, so I took it out and gave it back. Duh. So, oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. If you're a secret saver, there's five billion pounds out there. The average is about one thousand pounds. One thousand little tiny bit. You started doing that. You got it hidden. Do you save it for the rainy day? So you, so you have the joint bank account, and then you've got the, we've hidden it in a tin kind of thing. 08456060973, or 84850, or LBC973. There's lots of opportunities this morning, to be honest. Come on, be, tell me truthfully. You know, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, I don't have hidden savings. Not, not. I mean, about me, I do have hidden savings. I do like to carry money on me, but only because I've, I've worked to this, to this thought that one of these days somebody's going to pull up alongside me and go, I'm going to give you a castle in Bavaria if you've got £60 on you. I can go, I have got £60 on me. So 84850-LBC973 or 08456060973. It's a special for you for today. Uh, on duvets... Oh, crikey. Emma sent one here, who's in Oldbury. The dog, o- the tog on a duvet is the unit of thermal insulation of it. In other words, the warmth of it. It goes up in increments of 1.5. But in this country, we tend to use either 12, 13.5 or 15 tog in the winter. In the summer, 4.5 and spring or autumn, cry the three, a nine or a ten and a half, depending on personal preferences. It is a good idea to buy one of those duvet sets that consists of two duvets, both with different tog ratings, lower and higher, which zip up or button up together. This means one duvet is suitable for, uh, for all year round use. I'm now 30 and I learnt this when I asked my mum when I was younger. She is the ultimate home expert, especially in soft furnishings and any crafts like knitting, sewing and cross-stitching. So thank you, Emma, very much indeed. Actually, I was an expert in soft furnishings. I used to sell soft furnishings. I used to sell curtain material. I used to love measuring out curtain material. People would go, well, have some of that Moiga shell. There's a name you've not heard before. Moiga shell. And it came in three different colourways, blue, orange and green. And it was like kitchen curtaining. And they'd go, well, have it. And it was quite cheap, about 99 pence a... Uh, a yard or a metre, whatever it was we were doing in, three foot, no, it was, it was th- three feet lengths. And you'd have the uh, the actual tape measure on the counter, it was a metal one, screwed in, and then you'd measure out. And I was very, I could be really fast doing things like that. My favourite was actually cutting um, velvet. I love cutting velvet. Funny that, isn't it? I bought silk duvets in China, says Jackie. Had them on bed for the first time last night. Not quite warm enough. They're a must when you go to China, apparently. Cost about 200 quid there and a fortune here. Yeah, it's all the, it's the duty and the taxes and everything else. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that idea of having Chinese duvets. Oh, I bet they'd be, I've got some which uh, look pretty spectacular, but uh, I quite like the idea of 
of something like that. Crikey. Uh, and Steve, I think the government should try to solve driving whilst on the phone first, because it seems like it's legal now. Sometimes I want to take those people's picture and post it to the police, says Eve in Chelsea. You're not the only one. I think exactly the same. So come on, savings. Truth time. Come on. You got savings hidden? You got savings, Daniel? Yes, I have. How, how, how much? Um, I've got exactly £5,000. Five th- and, and it's at home, is it? Uh, no, 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 it's in a secret bank account. Oh, right. And so your other half doesn't know? No, not a clue. <gasps> and, and... Spent. Oh, right. So put it this way, I mean, have, have you done it for a reason? Are you doing it in case the relationship doesn't run the course? Uh, no, 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 no. It, it, it's purely rainy days on stuff. Um, right. It, it's there purely so that if she knew it was there, she'd spend it on a holiday or... Right. And do you think that she's got the same? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. No, I think I've never thought of it, you know, but, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because she, she, she might also have savings for that rainy day. So, in fact, the two of you combined together, it's a nice holiday, isn't it? That's a very nice holiday, It yeah. is a very nice <laughs> holiday for about... Well, it depends how much she's got. But then it'd be funny, because some... I mean, so how have you saved it? Do you save it out of your wages that come in every month? Uh, I've filtered it off over a, a period of time. I wanted £5,000, so it took me about uh, a year, I suppose, to right. just oh. filter off a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah. How nice. And is it in a high-interest account? Yep, yep, it's in the savings account, so oh. I can tap into my phone and have a look at the bank account and see what it's growing. But I think it would be so funny if she's listening to the radio and she goes, I know him! <laughs> He's got alarm, five her, grand. Her alarm's up and go off till seven o'clock, I'm oh, fine. thank God for that. Thank God for, well, good for you. Thank, thank you for being honest this morning. So Daniel's got five, five grand in, say, I reckon there's, but that's quite a lot, actually. Anybody, anybody beat five grand that the other half doesn't know about? Actually, the more I think about it, that's, that's five times the average... 1,000 was the average, 1,037. And uh, one in ten do it because they do not trust their partner's financial decision-making. So in other words, you might be married or in a relationship, or in failing that, it's, it's called the, in case it all goes pear-shaped, and I need to, need to get out quickly, I've got enough money to, uh, to get the removal lorry round, to get all my stuff out and to go and find a place quickly, which I can do for a few months before they actually put a freeze on the bank account. <laughs> they go, excuse me, joint bank account, joint bank... There's a piece in the paper today, a very odd piece, and it's about Jordan and Peter Andre, who are still at war. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, you feel like banging their silly heads together and saying, grow up. She's apparently given an interview to a paper whereby she said, and she's made mistakes before, that she's been paying him, it's only just stopped, 15... What is it? £15,000 a month... And I couldn't quite work out what it was there for. I'm assuming it's because during their time together, they must have made joint money. And so she's been paying him this, and he's... Go- so he's now come back with, I'm taking legal action on... And you think, what? can they never sit down? You know, I-, I hate to say it to these two people, because, frankly, one's as bad as the other, that when your children grow up and they Google and they read this rubbish in the paper about mummy and daddy behaving like five-year-olds, they're going to be so shocked... You know, and, you know, as they've been exploited, these poor kids, on every TV programme that you can use them on. I'm so glad the programmes are coming to an end. I really am. It's dreadful. Uh, Phil says, if you smoke, and I've heard this one before, in an open-top car, is that deemed as being inside or outside? It's being deemed as inside. The fact that the car is open makes no difference whatsoever. That, that's, that was my interpretation of the act. But have you ever heard of anybody being prosecuted? No. Nope. Why would, the, why would they prosecute? There's no point. It's, it's just a complete and utter waste of time, I'm afraid. Unless, of course, you think differently. And if you've got secret savings, we definitely want to hear from you. A thousand is the average. We've already heard from one. Five thousand pounds. She doesn't know a thing about it. 
And luckily she's in bed till seven. You watch this morning, she'll be there going, ha ha, gotcha. Five grand, here we come, Primark. Uh, Noreen, there's <laughs> a lot of clothes in Primark, uh, says, have a great day, nearly the Twickenham light time. Yep, it is. The, the trees are not up yet. The, uh, the lights are going up, I think, very, very shortly. And then we'll turn them on on the 25th at 5.30. OK, which is good. And Dawn, very excited that I'm going to be on over the Christmas period. Christmas Day, Boxing Day and Christmas Eve. So we can see Sandra in together, can't we? It's LBC 97.3, 6.30. Sandra Day on LBC 97.3, 6.30. I'm a little bit hurt that a lot of you think my very good impressions of members of the royal family are beginning to sound like Zippy and George from Bungle. I don't think they're... No, 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 definitely Prince Charles. I mean, that's Duke of Edinburgh. Princess Anne. I mean, you know, they're all different. I don't know how you can think they all sound the same. It's ridiculous. The pictures in the paper today of the, uh, the overnight raid clearing the New York protest camp. And, of course, the police over there don't have any truck with protesters at all. Out with the pepper sprays, kicking, punching, everything you can think of. And um, it's because it was on private property. And they've said, no, we don't want you here. And so Nick Ferrari, after seven, is going to be talking about this because there's now this, this legal action starting against it. To be honest with you, I can't see why we bother. Why don't we just go in and take away the tents? You know, why do we have to do everything by the book all the time? I'm sorry, here is a notice of eviction. Well, we're not going. You know, look at Dale Farm. We're not going. We'll burn the caravans. We'll burn the caravans. We don't care. We don't care. These blights on our, on our great city is driving me crackers, I'm afraid. So I wonder where... Um, Nick will be standing on that. I can imagine, actually. I think he'll be the uh, Hangham and Floggham Brigade. <laughs> I would be as well. If I was somebody who wanted to go into St Paul's, you know, to worship, and you've got this stupid tent city outside with people who go home to stay with Mummy and Daddy, you know, and Mater and Pater and all that kind of stuff. Uh, plus also this banning smoking in private cars. They can't stop people on their phones, so how are they going to stop smoking? And, you know, we know, you know, you can only look at people who are smoking in cars. If they're smoking by themselves, I couldn't care less. I don't think it makes any difference, does it? You know, we understand it's dangerous, but that's, you know, so is drinking to excess. You know, everything's dangerous. You know, everything we do nowadays. Don't eat too much pizza. Don't eat too much fried chicken. Don't eat too many fried burgers. Don't eat, it's all bad for you. What do you do? You can have people standing outside Kentucky Fried Chicken going, I'm sorry, a party barrel? I don't think so. Look at the size of you, fatty. Go back in, give it back to them, all right? Just come out with one piece of chicken. Take that lovely coating on. Yeah, the salad bar is over there. Eat more of the salad bar, all right? What do you mean, chicken nuggets? Put them back! It's as equally daft. You know, people now, we're becoming this nation of obese people because we're eating all this rubbish. Another kebab? Are you sure? With those hips? It's like that old Victoria Wood sketch, isn't it, where this woman's pushing, I think it's Celia Imrie again, my favourite, and she's sort of going past and she says, excuse me, could we get past? We're not having a sweet. And um, Victoria Wood turns around, or maybe it was, uh, it was somebody else and goes, very wise with those hips. Which kind of... You do feel like, you know, saying to people, don't eat it, it's bad for you. So when they say we want to stop you smoking in cars, worry about drinking, you know, and worry about all the proliferation of fast food rubbish places that we've got all over the place. It's terrible. Um, Somebody's confessed to me they've got £10 hidden under the boot lining of their car. Okay, the car number is PY... (laughs) A bit excited there on that one. Uh, Steve, your Prince Charles has started out like Zippy from Rainbow. I don't know how you can mistake... Zippy from Rainbow is completely different. I did, George. You said completely different. Heavens above. That was nothing like Zippy either. Uh, Karen in Cardiff. Poor soul, honestly, you're freezing up there. Ten degrees today, they've said for us, but we can have sunny spells. But it's ten degrees. That's almost thermal underwear, as far as I'm concerned. Karen says, when I was a little girl in the 70s, my parents had a Park Ray coal fire. Do you remember those? 
One night when I had my favourite long polyester nightie on, I stood too close to the glass and my nightie floated towards it, got stuck to the glass and melted. I remember part rays. We had one in Yorkshire and it was... It had this thick glass on the door. But, and so if you wanted to get loads of heat in the room, you opened the glass door at the front... And uh, I think ours was Park Ray. I'm sure it was. You had to light the thing in the morning. Was that something else? And the heat this thing generated was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But you had to be very careful with polyester nighties. My Auntie Enid had many a nasty experience with her polyester nights. Still having them now. Still having them now. As I say, at the moment, because she's got the polyester nightie and polyester sheets, I mean, she's almost like an indoor firework display when she climbs into bed. Uh, Steve, have you seen the duvet? Have <laughs> you seen the duvet? Sorry, it's made a big smile. I've never heard that line before this morning. Uh, have you seen the duvets where you can buy online? It's in panels and you need to wash it because you wash each panel separately. What, like a do-it-yourself duvet kit? Not OK with that. Uh, Johnny has this uh, penchant for Nancy Delolio. Please, please. I'm not sure about that one. I can't even go down that road, I'm afraid. And, uh, Steve, my hubby and I have a joint bank account which pays bills, but I've got another bank account in another name, and I've got £2,000, my emergency fund. That's from somebody not in London. So I'll tell just in case. You know, you never know if the partner's listening. To, you see, it's an emergency, isn't it? And some people are, are, are literally hoarding food. Uh, packet soup, tins of vegetables, cooking oil, fish, flour... Uh, dried mash, and uh, Ian says uh, people run to the supermarkets, you know, if they close the banks. Well, I'm, I'm hoarding at the moment to go no further. Water. I'm hoarding water, OK? And what I've done is I've, I've taken it out and I've frozen it. So I've got a fridge full of ice. So, you know, come a drought. Hello? Who will be laughing? Me. Because I've frozen as much water as... And I've started buying ice. Don't tell anybody. There'll be a shortage of it in Twickenham shortly. I go to Iceland and I buy a couple of bags of ice. I'm doing it secretly. Coming home and I'm storing it under the bed. So at the moment it's looking really good. <laughs> Secret ice gathering. Tony in Westgate says, I hoard DVDs. You're talking to somebody who knows what you, you're talking about. One room looks like a DVD shop. Music, films, but that's nothing. I like to think that your collection of DVDs would blow mine away. One arrived today. I looked at it. I can't remember what it's called now. I don't even remember ordering it. Apparently, I ordered it in August. It looks a most bizarre film. It's, no, it's got nothing in it that I would be interested in. It's like, it's, it's one of these sci-fi type things. And I don't like sci-fi films. I think it was because it was on Blu-ray and it was three ninety nine. Why I've ordered it? <laughs> Not a clue. Not a clue. Terry says, I've got over 200 toilet rolls. As I worry, I may run out when I'm shopping. And, I, and there's a special offer on loo rolls. I buy them. Yeah, I'm not, not with you on that one, I'm afraid. I think my, my stockpiling of the water is marginally better. I'm not sure stockpiling... Do you remember when people started stockpiling bread? Do you remember we had a bread shortage? I was going to go round to Steve at Belmont's in Twickenham and go, can you give me a few loaves here and I'll take them home? It's all right if you're a baker and you, and you make bread. But people would stockpile... Go, the supermarket shelves were empty of bread because people panicked. Cause so addictive is the eating of bread that people were stockpiling it and freezing it. So there's no bread for everybody. I couldn't care less. I could live without bread. Now, beans, that's another matter. I mean, what could you not do without? You know, in the event of... Sto Some people stockpile tins, but you have to check the sell-by dates because they do have sell-by dates on tins. You know, they don't last forever and a day. You know, I remember having a bottle of port at home once and um, I think my father had, had got it years ago and somebody said to me, do you think it's worth money? I said, well, it looks fairly old. And then I realised that he'd already had some port out of it, and I'd stored it standing up, whereas, in fact, you have to store it lying down 
because otherwise the cork dries out. And when the cork dries out, it's like people go out and buy a bottle of Liebfrau Milch and they go, I'm saving that for a special day. You say, no, you're supposed to drink it now. You know, Liebfrau Milch or Riesling or anything like that. It's, it's drinkable now. One ninety nine. I'm saving that till it goes up in price. It won't. OK, drink it now. Blue Nun, the same. OK, just thought I'd let you know, just in case there's a few of you stockpiling. And if you're buying Christmas stuff, like mince pies and things like that, check what the sell-by date is. A lot of the Marks and Spencer stuff is about two weeks and it expires. So there's no point in buying it now, which is what they're hoping you will do. I did have a mince pie the other day. Does that make me Christmassy? I do hope so. Um, the Eel Pie Club. I've got the legendary rock singer Pete French and his cult band Leaf Hound. 40th anniversary of their classic album, and they're doing the whole album live on stage. Full details on eelpieclub.com. Eelpieclub.com. And Cantabile are doing uh, the London Quartet, and they're doing this at St Bride's. And there's a, a website, St Bride's Foundation, and that's on the 6th of December and Tuesday the 13th at 7pm. St Bride's. Love that. It looks like a wedding cake, St Bride's. And, of course, London is full of magicians from all around the world for the International Week of Magic. There's going to be magicians... You'll be wandering into pubs around the Fleet Street area. There'll be magicians doing everything. Really lovely. Uh, we would love to hear from you as well this morning uh, if, you, if, you, if you have secret savings. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to be quite lenient on it. I'm not going to expose you. But so far, we found one man with £5,000 that the other half knows nothing about. I'm going to blackmail him later. I'm just I'm going to phone him up and say, listen, bung us 50 quid and I promise I won't phone her up and tell her. This is LBC. Emma Freud, pictured in the uh, paper today, she's just got an OBE for her services to uh, Comic Relief, pictured with her partner Richard Curtis, who's a founder of the charity. That's nice, isn't it? And there's uh, the wedding dress to end all wedding dresses, made by Thelma Medine. She makes the ones for the big fat gypsy wedding. Gives you a rough idea how much these dresses cost. She never discusses them, but she made one the other day out of human hair. And it comes with a £50,000 price tag. Because I often wonder how, if people who can only afford to live in a caravan can afford a dress, which on her cheaper ones would be £20,000. That's why they never discuss it, because people go, where do you get that sort of money from? Uh, Happy birthday to Sarah from Richard, 45 years young. And M&S in Gillingham, they ordered a cake for the birthday, uh, and it said it served 18 people. When when he saw it, he said, I don't think that'll serve 10. So M&S gave him another cake to go with it for free. See? Nice stories. Puts a smile on your face, doesn't it? The fact that you're not going to have any of this cake is neither here nor there. I'm not having any of it either. I should not have mentioned it. Catherine's got secret savings, haven't you? Yes. Good morning, Steve. Morning. You've made me a very, very happy lady. Well, Did I'm, you I'm, receive I'm... my letter last week? Yes. Uh, it was about the savings. Yes, absolutely. And I took my son to Italy. Yes. Yes, well, I'm saving again. Good girl. How much can you... Do you save the same amount all the time, or do you just no, do little bits? No, Steve, no. It just depends how the cookie crumbles. Mm. Now, with the heating and one thing and the other, I haven't turned my heating on yet. Good. But um, it just depends what I can manage, and I hide it in my dressing table drawer. Shh, shh, don't tell people where you hide it. Oh, they don't know who I am. <laughs> well, they, you might have one of your listeners, one of your neighbours going, I recognise that woman. She's got it in the dressing table. <laughs> All those. I mean, I have it in my kitchen in a in a, a tall jar. All my change. Ah, oh, yes. You know, which is. But then every so often I go and empty it out. And if I've been really good, I can have. I've had the most four hundred pounds. Mm. Which is which is not bad at all. So, are you saving up for Christmas now? Steve, to me, Christmas isn't what it used to be. No, it's not. It's become very commercial. Yeah. And um, I spend very very little. My children. 
my three sons are abroad, my grandchildren are all abroad, only my daughter is here. Mm. So I don't really spend much on Christmas, but um, I'm going to try very hard to save and perhaps in a year or two take my youngest son away on holiday again. Excellent. You see, it's nice things like that that make it worthwhile. worthwhile. Catherine, thank you for that. I like people who save. It's very difficult. We, we try and instil it, don't we? Because our parents tried to instil it in us when we were young. You know, you must save and you think, what, save for what? Save for what? Then you get a bit older and you suddenly start thinking, oh, save up, yeah. You see the price of petrol? I need to save up for a price of, you know, putting a tank full of petrol in there. It's the only thing you can do. Uh, where is the justice? So the Daily Star today. This is after uh, shamed Charlie Gilmore stepped out of prison straight into a waiting chauffeur-driven luxury Mercedes. They say it sets a very bad example. The authorities have been too light. And do you remember I mentioned earlier on, and I feel like apologising for the dopey rioter Danielle Corns, who was hoping to join the RAF as cabin crew, was, but was caught crawling under shutters and to- stole two left-footed trainers. And I remember th- and so they've sent her to prison for ten months. And I thought, oh, well, ten months seems a lot for that. She has a previous conviction for shoplifting. So it's quite clearly a habitual person. So uh, in prison, stay there, do not pass, go. Do not collect £200. Uh, Some more of your uh, texts coming in and uh, emails. Uh, Jackie is a a nurse. You never mention me, says Jackie. I'm driving soon to work and I belong to your Steve Allen Facebook club. I must be the only person who's never seen it. I can't get onto Facebook. Steve, why ban smoking in cars? If I'm in my car on my own, what is the problem, says David? Lord help us next. What not, you know, ban the car? That would be easier. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting them to come knocking on your, your door at home and go, excuse me, are you cooking in the kitchen? What are you cooking? I thought I'd do mushrooms. Mushrooms? Are you mad? You know, don't do things like that, do we? That's what we have to do. Uh, Dawn says, uh, I go the whole hog here. On the bed, I've got sheets, a duvet and electric blanket too. I'm nice and warm, but then on these cold mornings, it's much more inviting to stay in bed. I don't want to get up. I know, 10 degrees today. At the moment, it's five, so it is actually a chilly day. And it's no, you can feel it, can't you? Because I, I don't wear a vest. And uh, I'm going to start getting vests, I think, or something like that. A couple of people around here wear, wear, wear vests. And... Uh, <laughs> John says, I've got a secret bank account, Steve. I've opened it in the wife's name. So far, it's 50,000 quid overdrawn. <laughs> See, that? I, li- I like that idea. That appeals to me. I've left you everything. We had somebody once at LBC, uh, and it was, a, it was many, 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 many years ago, and uh, they got dropped for some reason. I think they were freelance and they got dropped anyway. And so we all, we all went away on the Friday, came in on the Monday, I think I've told you this before, and... And we used to have what we call a meat safe for doing interviews in. It was a little self-operation booth where you could sit somebody down and do your interviews. And it, it did look like a meat safe, the kind of thing you'd find in a, in a butcher's. And uh, we went in on, and I came in on the early hours of the Monday morning to work and went into the meat safe and noticed that the fader was up. And I couldn't quite work out why the fader was up. And, and I could hear something talking. He'd only connected it to the Jodrell Bank website. Uh, in those days, you could call up and a recorded message would tell you what was going on, you know, with sort of space flight. And it'd been running for the whole of the weekend since Friday on an international line. They went up the wall. They went absolutely barking mad. Steve, after my nan died, my granddad discovered my nan had around £10,000 hidden around the house in old knitting patterns, bags of old wool and back copies of People's Friend. 10000 When my... Uh, a friend of... A friend's mother died. She had all her money for all her bills put into the envelope for the different companies. So she got the money there in advance, which I thought was, which I thought was really good, actually. I'm not that, uh, that, uh, 
I'm not that good at organised, I'm afraid. I just, we tend to do, don't we, standing orders. Uh, regarding the Magician's Week at International, Steve, the pubs already seem to have the magic tricks down pat. They seem to make my money disappear any time I go into one. Yeah, it's not cheap, is it, in London? I think people up north think we're crackers to pay the prices that we do in London. In fact, it was only here a short while ago that one of our uh, one of our regular boys, who looks after the building, know what I'm saying, he went out and bought a glass of wine in Covent Garden, £9.50 for a glass of wine. When I went to the Royal Albert Hall, I, I was ordering two glasses of wine, and the guy behind the counter said, he said, it'll be cheaper. He said, because a glass of wine is £7. He said, why don't you just buy the bottle? So I bought the bottle. Which made, which made all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Uh, other stories in the paper today. Cliff Richard, very angry about being banned on the radio, but the fans were out yesterday as uh, he launched his Solicious album, and I think DVD. And uh, Tommy Cooper, I watched him last night, fantastic. What I did notice, my kid's falling about. Never seen him before, says Brad. Very funny, very funny. Very nervous performer. I worked with him once. I did a charity event with... Uh, with Tommy Cooper, and he was he was very nervous. <laughs> Used to enjoy a few drinks, actually, but then I think the wife enjoyed a few drinks, as indeed does everybody at this festive time of year. And I said before, they're back already, the travellers returning to Dale Farm, vowing the eviction was futile. Where are they going to put them? They're just parked along the side of the road now. Bearing in mind, they only live there sort of temporarily because they've all got property back in Ireland, so it's, it's all, the whole thing's a bit of a waste of time, I'm afraid, but we don't really go through that again, do we? But I wonder. Uh, Steve... A friend who once decided to clean the freezer discovered the wife had hidden £1,000. She became very shamed when she found a clean freezer and couldn't ask the husband, but he did give it back to her. You see? Because you could always go, no, I didn't say anything in there. And you think, yes, you did, but I can't mention it. <laughs> I hate the stories of people who give stuff away to charity shops and then they discover they've given away something priceless. It's like the Antiques Roadshow. What is it? Oh, I think it's marvellous. It's very good. We've had it for years in our loft. It's just septic tank, all right? Listen, I'm back with you uh, tomorrow morning. Blimey, freezing today. Ten degrees is your best, so uh, extra thermal underwear, I suspect. And uh, we'll do it again between five and seven. Have a very pleasant day if you're celebrating your birthday. As indeed Sarah is, you have a nice time and anybody else celebrating. Nick and the team with you after seven. Before of that, the business update now with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open.